folks, my name is Gary Spally, the host for Back to Basics, another Back to Basics, another week. Today we're going to talk to you about mortgage financing. And we've talked to this guy before on season one. And the reason why I brought him to this uh, episode in this season is because what we are trying to do is we're going to try this thing or maybe him or someone else but every year we're going to have someone talk about mortgage financing because every year it changes and the reason why just one time is just not enough that's why we need to educate ourselves every year every six months in order to get every information so that's why i'm bringing him into the show again and vikram patel has been a, a guest of mine for season one so vikram how are you and thanks for coming to back to basics well, thank, well, thank you so, you so much, Garish, for having me. And as always, excited to be here. Uh, we rocked it in season one and looking to hopefully do the same today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for Vikram for coming here and explaining all the details about mortgage financing before. But before we get into the details of that, I know you have answered this question before, but this year, what is your answer for what does Back to Basic mean to you? Um, I'm going to give you the same cliche answer, but uh, you might not like it. But again, back to basics to me is taking the complex, simplifying it, where regardless of your experiences in life or your walks of life, it makes sense to you as a listener. So for me, that's always that's always been the kind of the challenge that I try to overcome on a daily basis. Take the complex, simplify it, make it basic, make it relatable to every one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you again, uh, Vikram, for explaining that. Uh, even though that it might be the same answer or different, I'm not really sure. But thank you again for answering that. So last time on season one, when we talked about mortgage financing, we talked a little details about what is a FHA loan, what is a conventional loan, what is a uh, interest rate, and what is a ARP, and what is the all the stuff that we discussed about that, right? And then a later on, a lot of technicalities, but a lot of people don't know about that. And that is why we talked about that. And then later on, we talked about the details of the mortgage and how mortgage is happening in the market at that time. And at that time, if I'm not mistaken, it was 2021. And we talked about the mortgage, if it is enough inventory, less inventory, the mortgage rises it got low, whatever the results are, everyone has to listen to that episode. But that's what we discussed last time, right? So yes. from that comparison till today, and I and I read and I actually listened to that episode again just for my refreshment. But what are your thoughts today on 2022 right now that how the market is? Um, we have a mix of... Uh differences on commercial and residential side we'll tackle the residential first that's what we have been focused on in the first season yeah inventory wise we are worse off than we were at any given point even if you compare just three months down the road six months down the road and so forth we are at a level that's an all-time low in the history of america at least going back to the 1930s uh, the depression era so, uh, you know, it's it's a big problem. It's exacerbated more. At the same time, when you look at buyer demand, the demand is extremely strong for the first-time home buyer as well as those that are looking to purchase their investment homes or multi-unit properties. Hmm. And at the same time, we expect the millennials over the next three years to kind of enter the household formation type age. 
where the demand is expected to get even stronger. So overall, a big macro level problem, and the result of that we see it around every day uh, in years or around us that price pressure is to the upside. Hmm. They're still getting sold fast, multiple offers, you know, long lines, uh, lots of showings. I don't expect any of that, that to reverse or slow down anytime soon. Hmm. The perception in the marketplace from a general person is that market is hot. And I think they conclude that based on just the upward prices. Hmm. What I'm realizing is that actually because of the low inventory, the number of transactions are dropping significantly to the point where if you're in the real estate arena, no matter what side of it, whether you're on the real estate side, the lending side, uh, or you're a real estate attorney or title or insurance, everybody is feeling the pain because the number of transactions are lesser and lesser hmm. because there's not enough houses to go around. Yeah, yeah. But but Vikram, uh, thank you again for that. But you know, uh, what I realized is that the price that you uh, got for your house or whatever house, right? Obviously, that was years ago, right? And today, when you're selling it, you're selling it really overpriced. But then that is a perception price or is that an appraisal price? Because the appraisal price could be lowered, right? So what are your thoughts on that? So the definition of a hot market, obviously basic economics 101, supply is low, demand is high. What that automatically means is every house that is going to get sold that has somewhat of a, a good value to it, either in the form of location or school system or demographics, is going to get sold above its fair value. Hmm. So if you believe that appraisal is the fair value of the house, and however it's calculated, whatever the algorithms are, you're arriving at a fair value. The fact is market is always going to be ahead of that value. The market is going to pay a premium on top of that. Hmm. So from an appraisal standpoint, everything is going to be overpriced. Everything is going to sell higher. And then those new prices determine the appraised value of those home, of those homes after the selling point. Again, it doesn't help the new set of buyers, again, repeating the same cycle for the new set of listings. So we've been in that sort of a market for the last year and a half, two years, expecting to be the same. So yes, from an appraisal standpoint, everything is overpriced. From a supply demand standpoint, which is the dominant factor here, uh, prices in the eye of the beholder, right? It's Nobody can say it's overpriced or underpriced. It's no. what the buyer is willing to pay. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Thank you again for that. You know, uh, Nowadays, the way 2022 is happening, and it's just the beginning of the year, uh, or well, I mean, courts through the third quarter, uh, uh, second quarter right now, but the rates are going to be lowering more as compared to any other years, not compared to last year. I'm just saying, is this the lowest that has ever gone? No, no, last year was the lowest point where 30-year fixed rate sort of bottomed out around the 2.5, 2.6 range. Hmm. The last 90 to 120 days, rates have made a significant move higher. Hmm. We're now closer to the three and a quarter to three and a half range for, for, the, for the perfect borrower with the great credit score, great down payment, all those factors. Hmm. But in some cases, rates are even north of three and three quarters, which puts us kind of back to pre-COVID days, back to about February 2020. Hmm. So anybody who's looked at rates the last couple of years is going to get a little bit of a sticker shock that prices are higher and now rates are back to pre-COVID levels. Anybody who has looked at rates in the bigger scheme of uh, history is going to say, well, rates are still at historical lows because you're in the three handles. And plenty of people in the past have paid you know, north of 
about four and five percent. So from that angle, we're still low compared to last year. We're higher. So Vikram, thank you again for that. But uh, how now that we know that the inventory is less, now that we know that the rates are getting lowered, okay. Now that we know that the price are getting higher, okay. Mm -hmm. Now we know all that. What is the actually? What is the trend that it's happening so far for 2022? Rates are not playing as big of a factor for a couple of reasons. Number one, we've seen the most amount of cash transactions happen in the last 24 months than any other time in history. So going forward, the cash buyer could care less whether rates are 3% or 6%. The marginal buyer, and by that what I mean are the buyers typically approaching the market with a low down payment. These are your people with the 3 to 5 to 10% down payment who are able to get into the house. That population has not been able to secure a home in the last 12 to 18 months regardless because they're getting outcompeted by a stronger offer population that are coming in with 20, 30, 40% down. There's a big segment of that population, and the reality is there's not enough homes to go around for that segment. And that's the strong segment which is not as rate sensitive. So whether you're at 3% rate or 4 or 4.5, those people need to buy their first home they are able to, the affordability is high, they have the assets, and so they're not rate sensitive. And as a result, we're not seeing rates playing as big of a factor in the overall marketplace right now. So let me let me ask you this. You you brought up a good point. For for the US folks, right? For a brand new buyer, a first time buyer, sometimes you have some perks to be a be a first time buyer. Nowadays, it does that still the case? or that is thrown out of the window? So the perks are there. When you think about down payment assistance programs or banks providing low down payment programs, all of those perks have been there. They're still present just to the same level today. The challenge is when that buyer presents an offer to a seller, that seller is having a hard time connecting with that offer because the seller has 10 other offers on the table. And I'm just, you know, figuratively speaking, sometimes we've seen 20, 30 offers on the house and sometimes two or three, depends on a case-by-case basis. But the point being is sellers have so much to choose from and there are some offers that really stick out as a low risk for the seller, meaning a very, very strong prepared buyer, that the buyers that are using the perks to somehow get into a house are kind of being sidelined just from a standpoint of market forces, supply, demand, and just more importantly, that sellers are just not giving these buyers a fair chance. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you again. But now, this the market that we're living in is more of a seller's market, and it's not a buyer's market, right? But it depends on how we label it, right? Yes, the, in the old school way of labeling it, yes, it's a seller's market. The problem is a lot of the sellers we know right now are afraid to sell their houses because they don't know where to go. So it's 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 a double-edged sword where sellers can get a very high price, a much higher than expected price for what they can sell, but they don't have a place to go again. But, that, but then that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, that when I buy a new home, when I'm selling this previous one, I'm not going to have much of profit because the other house is going to be a higher price anyway. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely yes. But then here's the other caveat is that even the rental prices are going to be high, aren't they? They absolutely are. Just in 2021, the median rent in the country has gone up about $300 a month, which means certain pockets that are 
demographically more appetizing or again because of the school systems or, or certain income demographics certain pockets have actually gone up a lot more than 300 dollars a month we expect that trend to continue into this year as well so do you think from your uh, experience and and everyone around you have uh, seen so far in your clients do you recommend to people to refinance Absolutely. And a lot of people already have a good portion of the population already has taken advantage of that last year and the year before. The big trend in refinance that we're seeing now, which is still beneficial for the consumer or the homeowner, is because there's so much more equity created in the homes over a pretty short time frame, a lot of these homeowners have the ability to pull out equity, which can then be used. The top three purposes that we're seeing is they're paying off cars, they're paying off credit card debt or student loans, or in some cases, Cases, people are actually pulling out the cash and using that as a down payment on their first or second investment home. Mm. So that segment of the population, I think, is really the driving force in the refinance market, where it makes a lot of sense. Because rates have shot up in the recent three or four months, it's not making as much sense anymore to refinance purely from a rate standpoint. There's only refinance is only good only if they are capable to make an extra monthly payment. Am I right? Yes, yes, but usually what's happening is that extra equity that they want to pull out, whatever mortgage payment liability that extra is generating mm. is getting offset by the fact that they're going to use those funds to limit their liabilities in other areas, like they're going to pay off some credit cards or they're going to get rid of a car payment. So the overall liabilities that they're reducing using those funds are outweighing the liability that gets created by them borrowing a little bit against the house. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, for Vikram, for explaining that, because you know what? People do need to understand that Yes, it's a good idea to refinance because the rates are low, but then you can also take an advantage of paying all the other stuff out there. For example, student loans is one of the biggest ones that people in the U.S. are Absolutely. definitely struggling. Car payments, mm -hmm. you can still go by with it at least for five years, but student loans goes for years. I'm, I'm, I've known people okay. over 10 years, they pay off their student loans. So I totally yeah. agree with take the advantage of that. Now, what are your thoughts now you have already explained what 2022 is. Do you think this is the trend all the way down to 2022, or is this the first and second, third quarter uh, thought, thought process? No, it's, no, it's definitely deeper and longer. We believe the trend will definitely last all of 2022, possibly even carry into 2023. Some of the longer-term research we've done, Gersh, is based on inventory specifically, the challenge of lesser inventory levels has actually existed since 2014. Every year, the peak of the inventory in the summer months was a lesser peak all the way from 2014 up until today. What COVID really did is that whatever problem would have existed in inventory, let's say, out in 2023 or 2024, COVID sort of fast-forwarded everything and said, let me take a problem from three years from now and bring it to 2020 because of the increased demand and everything as far as, you know, demographics change, uh, people transitioning from, you know, suburban areas into suburbs, all that played into the picture. But overall, the inventory challenge has been there. And until we can see more construction, builders acquiring land, putting in big projects, and we haven't seen that in the at least last seven to nine years, we haven't seen that. And we're still not seeing that into 2020, 2021, 
2022 timeframe. So to answer your question, I don't think this is just a 2022 trend. I think this trend is gonna be in place until some major shifts happen in the construction industry. But we're not seeing any of those signs at this point. So even if they were to start, three months or six months down the road, chances of this trend is going to overspill into 2020. And and what is the, the issue there? Do you think the supply and demand? I mean, is that because the materials are like delayed due to construction? So, so prior to COVID, it was more that builders were just kind of on the sidelines, not realizing what their margins are going to be. So they were taking a slow approach. COVID sort of make it very clear for the builders that the margins are going to be there, the profitability is going to be there. I don't think land acquisition is the problem. Now, in today's day, the big problem is obviously the supply chain, the material, the shipping logistics. But even that, we don't believe is a sustainable problem. I think over the course of next three or six months, that will kind of self-correct itself. But the sticking problem is labor. There is really a shortage of skilled labor across America. It's been there probably for the last five to seven years. And we think it's such a big problem that even five years from now, maybe on season six or seven, we'll still be talking about that problem. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a, that's a problem that's going to be fixed very easily. And that's what's keeping it very slow in the construction industry. So l let me ask you this, right? Now, we, we talked about the refinancing and we talked about refinancing in a good way right but i want to explain to people that how often can you refinance i mean you just refinance today for example can i just do it six months uh, six months from now or do i have to wait what are your thoughts on that you don't have to wait typically once you refinance and if you go six payments into the new loan there's nothing stopping you from refinancing again the purpose is what matters. Now, some people will refinance because, again, six months down the road, maybe prices go up 10% more and they want to pull out the equity. Mm. Another reason could be somebody is in a much better financial position and they don't want to reset the clock to 30 years and instead want to speed up the process and change their term to a 25 or a 20 or a 15. Or sometimes it's the opposite where they, somebody all of a sudden has children going to college or, or someone getting married and they have a 10 or 15 year mortgage that they do want to reset the clock back to 30 and lesser the monthly payment or pull out equity or a combination of the both. So answering your question, yes, you can refinance multiple times. There's really no passage of time. I mean, obviously, if you just complete a transaction, it's unlikely you're going to do something in the next six months, but technically you can. But from a credit point of view, uh, thank you for that, by the way, Vikram, but uh, regarding the credit score, is that going to hurt you? Or is that going to make it better? Well, it's not going to hurt you at all because uh, credit inquiries get tracked over a six-month period. And most of us in our day-to-day -day life, you know, we're always opening up credit cards or taking advantage of certain deals that come through that require a credit check. So a handful of credit inquiries over a six-month period is nothing out of the norm for any one of us. The fact that you have a mortgage credit inquiry twice a year or three times a year is not anything out of the norm. So whether you go through the refinance multiple times or you don't, chances are it's not going to be as impactful on the credit either. Way. And if you are somebody with a good track record of making your monthly payments on time, you're always maintaining a good credit. So whether it was a timely payment from a past loan or a current loan or a future loan is not going to be as impactful on the credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you again, Vikram, for explaining all the details about 2022 so far about uh, mortgage and the financing and how the trend was and is as of today. So thank you again. Do you have any how is your journey on Back to Basics? And do you have any last words on uh, Back to Basics so far before you leave today? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, journey on back to basics is always wonderful, Gersh. Thank you to you. You're, you're doing a phenomenal job. Your episodes are getting a lot of value out there for your audience, and uh, and we're all learning and enjoying the process being part of this journey with you. As far as the uh, last words for our audience, what I can tell them is, if you're planning on being a first-time home buyer. Don't delay it. Get in now because the journey ahead is only going to be more bumpier. And in a philosophical aspect of things, I think every homeowner can relate to this. The time to buy real estate always feels like it was two years ago at any given point. I don't think any homeowner in my career has ever felt that the timing was right when they were jumping into the market. It was always the timing was better last year, the year before. So don't fall into that same trap. If you're in the market today, today's your time. Whatever the ruling price is, make the best out of it and get the best house that fits your family needs. Yeah, thank you again, Vikram, for coming on Back to Basics second time. And hopefully we'll do it again next year. And uh, you know what? Thank you again for all the support that you've given us to uh, Back to Basics on this. Thank you, Gersh. Yeah, thank you. So, guys, we spoke with Vikram today for the second time on Back to Basics for season two, that is, right? And... We talked about the basics of how the trend is for 2022. How was the trend is or was back in 2021, 20, 2014, we talked about also. And then how it's going to be for the next 2023, kind of. We, uh, we kind of said that it's going to be kind of the same thing as 2022. So here are the trends, here are the details, make that decision, make a good decision. Because you know what? Take the advantage of all that rates the interest rates being low and the prices being higher take advantage of those that's my basic today so guys as usual as always there's a quote of the day from back to basics and hopefully uh, Vikram will like that the back to basic quote is pay off your mortgage before retirement and that's one less bill you'll have to worry about when you're on fixed income guys you know as usual as always what do i always say at the end of the episode Everything in life goes back to basics, and that's what we did today, guys. Guys, take care. God bless, and I'll see you next week. Keep on commenting as much as you can. Good, bad, ugly, either way, it'll make my show stronger day by day, week by week. And there are three things. Every episode of mine is so important, and it makes this show successful. These are three things. One is content, one is guest, and definitely the host. Guys, take care. God bless, and I'll see you next week. Next week's episode on Speaking Back obviously, to Basics. but it was incredibly expensive at all levels. Hmm. Uh, and expensive to the point that most businesses had no video content, right? Hmm. Most hmm. businesses, um, only the businesses, only the like, even the small local businesses that did really well, like only the sort of industry leaders in regional and local businesses hmm. had maybe a TV commercial, hmm. right? And then the next tier down was maybe you saw some radio commercials. But beyond that, like the most that most that that the majority of businesses could could afford were like some basic photography for products and things like that. A lot of businesses didn't even have websites 20 years ago. That's right. right? So the democratization of of content, the accessibility of it is really the biggest change that I've seen uh, over time. Yeah, Yeah. So, you know, when you say expensive back in the days, you're talking camera.